0: 90 or toll
1: free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, on ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central Alabama. Happy Monday, everybody. It's good to be back. We're all full, not only turkey, but also some of us disappointment. Lance, how are you doing today, my man?
2: Yeah, I'm full of disappointment. (laughs) How are you doing?
1: I'm doing pretty well. I'm doing pretty well. I came to grips with it pretty quickly inside the stadium. Of course, where I sit, I'm up towards the top of the lower bowl in the end zone. So there ends up being these giant clogs if you wait till the end of the ball game, You can't make it down the aisles because, you know, logistics. Not enough aisles, too many people. It all gets clogged up. But I was happy to just sit there with a lot of Auburn fans who stayed behind after the Iron Bowl loss. Stayed behind, sang the alma mater, sang the fight song and whatnot. Of course, there's disappointment in the stands, but I'm just incredibly blessed, as are all the other people who went to that ball game to get to go and witness such a great football game because that's what it was. It was an incredible football game. It didn't end the way that we wanted it to, but it was an incredible football game, an all-timer, and I enjoyed the fact that I was just able to be at such a great football game. I was there with my wife. Got to enjoy her company, got to enjoy the company of, you know, another eighty-five thousand Auburn fans in the stadium. And I had I had a blast. Even if it didn't in the way I wanted it to, I had an absolute blast. So, you know, kind of putting all of that in perspective, I'm super proud of the team. And um that was how I came to grips with it so quickly, I think, because I was just proud of them and I had a blast at the game.
2: I had to leave at the end of the third quarter to go do after the game at Skybar. And on the way walking there, I was and, and I had told somebody actually in the press box I was sitting with, I'm like He was like, we're we're actually like, we may lock this up. And I was like, Auburn – I I actually said this at halftime as well. It's like talent wins out in these situations, and Alabama has done that so far this season. I would not be surprised if Auburn just ran out of gas and then eventually Alabama just took over. Said could be third quarter, could be fourth quarter. On the way walking there, I was thinking, yeah. I was was trying to go ahead and and prepare myself for what was about to happen. And surely enough, uh, four overtimes later – uh auburn fell by just two points and we're going to dive into just everything that we saw but from the top i want to just say it was a fantastic football game like you mentioned i don't know if i've seen an atmosphere like that at jordan Hare stadium i've seen games like that but i have not felt that that atmosphere the way that it felt on saturday when kobe hudson broke free for that first touchdown of the ball game it was just like from that point on i was just in shock And so it was just a very cool moment for me, very cool moment for all the fans. And I will say it was just a fantastic football game.
1: You know, every single Iron Bowl, the last couple of victories that Auburn's had, 2013, 2017, 2019, they were all incredibly raucous environments. So I don't want hyperbolic statements to come out and say, well, that was the craziest Jordan Harris ever been because it's hard to gauge that, right? Our memory fades on games that have happened in years past 2013 even two years ago 2019 now i can tell you all of those were incredibly loud the loudest moment for me on saturday was the botched field goal by alabama people up. lost it i'll tell you that was a moment where there were several moments in this game where i thought one of my eardrums were about to rupture because not only does my wife get you know she, she she's a lady she has a high-pitched voice when she, she was cheering her her head off people, so many people were around me cheering their heads off that like it was hitting that pitch it was hitting that frequency in my eardrum where I was like I gotta cover my ears like this is wild and what was so unique about Saturday's environment even more so compared to the last one in 2019 which 2019 had incredibly loud and raucous moments when Jacoby McLean took it 100 yards to the house on the pick six smoked Monday's pick six as well There were also moments where the crowd was quieted because Alabama had a lot of big plays as well. Mm -hmm. Whereas for 3.75 quarters, maybe even longer than that,
2: it was all Auburn, baby. Yeah, 59 minutes and 30 seconds, just about.
1: (laughs) I mean, it was all Auburn for a large portion of it, and it never turned off. Even when Auburn continued to stall drive after drive on offense, when defense stepped out on the field, it was all Auburn. And so major kudos to the fan base for showing up and putting out that type of environment and atmosphere, because I'll tell you this, I think it's changed the game on the recruiting front for Auburn. We came in last week with recruiting being potentially at one of its worst points that we have seen under Brian Harson, at least leading up to the game. You know, we talked with Christian Clemente of Auburn Sports last week, and two weeks ago he was incredibly optimistic. Auburn loses to South Carolina, we come in, the optimism had faded and then all of a sudden you look out on social media it's not hard to see how many recruits have come out in support of this Auburn program and what they saw on Saturday it was a huge impressionable moment for these players and I think it's helped Auburn out in a big way on the recruiting trail you talk about the LSU running back commit citizen that decommitted I think Auburn's got a great shot there I think Auburn's got a great shot for a lot of these dudes that were in the house Jeffrey Imba the Independence Community College, the JUCO number one overall recruit in the country on the defensive line. I think Auburn's got a shot. His official visit begins today. Like he was here over the weekend, but his official visit begins today and tomorrow. I mean, Auburn has a huge chance to capitalize. There are all of a sudden recruits that I hadn't really even been paying attention to that I hadn't even been hearing about from anybody that all of a sudden are popping up on the timeline that were like, yeah, I was there. It was awesome. There are five stars in next year's class that were there that took a major interest in Auburn I think after Saturday the question is can Auburn hold on to that interest can Auburn actually capitalize on that interest and actually get these guys to come in or was it just a flash in the pan moment on the recruiting trail but one thing's for sure they got a lot of people's attention on Saturday and it was the best way to end the season aside from actually winning the ball game
2: absolutely yeah and I think that the performance that Auburn put on surely warranted attention from some of these recruits and i'm very pleased to see after looking on social media and seeing some of these kids reactions i'm very pleased to see that it that it did warrant Uh, that that reaction I really do hope like you said I do hope Auburn capitalizes on recruiting Harson has actually talked about that he's like these next couple of weeks we're going to be recruiting 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 we're going to be doing everything that we can to see if we can get some of these kids on campus and see if we can get some of these kids signed and I'm very glad that he's aware of that because they have to this is something that we talked about before on the show is what does the future of Auburn football look like if they can't recruit better than they are right now I'm not even necessarily saying to the level of Georgia and Alabama I'm saying somewhere close to that but better than what it is right now they have to be able to recruit in order to get to the position where they can win games like this I'm not saying recruiting was the reason Auburn lost this game but it surely would have helped I think in certain aspects but I will say again going back to just the performance Auburn played with so much heart and so much desire and so much want to on Saturday and I think that was incredibly impressionable to some of these kids
1: number to call 334-321-1390 that will put you through to us here on on the line we want to hear from you what were your takeaways from saturday's iron bowl loss 24 to 22 in quadruple overtime once again just an incredible football game i know that it didn't end the way that auburn fans wanted it to but i think we all have to agree it was an all-timer an incredible football game And an absolute blast to behold until it got to uh, really until the last play of the game, Mm -hmm. and then the last thirty seconds of the ball game. I know that the drive was a minute and a half, but I mean, even you got even got a fourth and seven on that drive, right? I mean, like it was still a fun ball game with the exception of a couple of plays at the end. I, I it was one of the most fun Iron Bowls that I've been to, and I've been to a lot. This this was one of the most fun that. Most fun events that I've been to in all time ever ever watching a football game. Of course, didn't end the way that Auburn wanted it to, and that's going to settle them up at six and six after starting out six and two this year. They went winless in the month of November, zero and four. I think it may be the first time ever that Auburn's had four losses in the month of November. So, of course, Brian Harson did not end his tenure, his first year here at, at at Auburn the way that people would have liked to have seen him do it. That's got a lot of critics out there right now. We'll talk about that throughout the show. It's not how we're starting it off today. Stay tuned for that conversation. We're still going to give our impressions from Auburn's 24-22 loss in the Iron Ball. One of my takeaways here, just now getting into the X's and O's, and actually what we've seen on the game. If Bo Nix is healthy, if Bo Nix plays, Auburn maybe wins that game. If they get that defensive performance out of the team, they maybe win the game 27-7, to maybe 27-3. to They boat race them. Uh, I the defense played well enough to where if Auburn has a healthy quarterback even with TJ Finley was healthy look he's he did fine he performed admirably as I told you on as I told you on Friday's show Auburn was not going to lose that ball game because of the quarterback position and I'm still holding to that right now I don't believe Auburn lost that game because of the quarterback position I think there were things that Auburn could have done outside of the quarterback position to make things easier on him they didn't run the ball well They didn't run the ball well. They averaged less than two yards a carry. They didn't run the ball well. If they could have ran the ball better, Auburn wins that ball game, right? I mean, there's a number of different things that you can look at that were outside of the quarterback position that would have made it better. But if the quarterback position was healthy, if it was Bo and you still get that defensive performance out of that team, which is independent of your offense, Auburn boat races them. It's 27-3, to it's 27-7,
2: to and I don't doubt it. I agree. And just to put that in it what what were some of our thoughts heading into this game right we thought Auburn was going to get blown out we thought they were going to get destroyed I was ready to come back I was ready to on after the game just rip the coaching staff up one side down the other I was ready for this to be a blowout and I was ready to to have some negative thoughts after it but what did we see we saw a complete performance from this team and to your point without their starting quarterback I completely agree with you and without their backup being fully healthy either. With it with Bonix healthy in this game, I think it's a boat race like you just said. I think Auburn wins and I don't I don't even think that it's close, which tells you down the line two things. Number one, Auburn can compete with some of these better schools even if they don't have Uh, extremely talented recruits and number two this coaching staff can't actually get its stuff together it's just really difficult to to keep a keep a positive outlook whenever you lose three games in a row where you had more than a 99% chance to win it according to ESPN's FPI at one point in the football game so
1: and I was critical of this coaching staff last week because I said things like this has been a colossal failure by this coaching staff over the last three weeks leading up in the iron bowl and it was and i think that can be true but i also was quick to defend these coaches and the coordinators too you know, on our shows last week and in the weeks leading up to it because there, are, there's no shortage of people that wanted to see changes and i'll be honest i'll admit you know and i said this last week there, there is evidence if people wanted to make a change to do it but i also think there's evidence and there's stuff to say about these coaches that they did do a good enough job like they did a fine job this year i just think some things went south at the end that part of it was out of their control part of it was in their control right and you you at the same time you have to fault them for what went wrong but also think you have to credit them what went right and there is not a whole lot of crediting them what went right as opposed to l- just killing them with all of the stuff that went wrong and i think i think people just need to you know, take a step back and look yep. at the fact that... And I broke those stats down with you for about 15 minutes about Derrick Mason on Friday, if you'll yep. remember, comparing this year's defense to last year's defense statistically. And in one way, Auburn's defense has been worse, but in another way, it's been better. And the way that it's been better is run-stopping, leaps and bounds better. And the other way that it's been only marginally worse, I mean, only like a yard difference between last year was in the past defense. Right. And it's giving up fewer points. So, like, you can look at both sides of the football and see areas where Auburn has improved you can see some areas where Auburn's regressed but all in all I think it nets out and like I think I think these guys did a fine job I mean six and six is obviously not what you want and the last four weeks is not what you want but they also put Auburn in a position where people could be upset about the last four weeks
2: right I'll also I'll say this about Derek Mason and Mike Bobo after after the game some people called into our to our show To kind of talk about you know what they thought about it and the immediate the immediate discussion was criticism for Derek Mason and Mike Bobo and certain aspects of this game and I I do I do think that it's fair to say yeah there were definitely some ups and downs over these past three weeks but also we weren't supposed to be in a position to win this game y'all Derek Mason called the game of his life to get it this close the coaches Mike, prepped their butts off this Mike week. Bobo with a broken backup quarterback did everything that he could have possibly done I think to get this game as close as it was don't give me that look Sting you know you know that Gus Malzahn's coordinators would have not gotten this game to a two-point game with a backup quarterback in
1: put him on listen I'll tell you this and they respond to this we have seen this game with Gus Malzahn with a backup quarterback we've seen it 2016 we saw it and what happened it wasn't it wasn't pretty. It wasn't. And Auburn lost by three scores. If we were going to win this game it wasn't going to be pretty. I mean we've seen this, okay? 2015 we saw it. All right? We Ugh. know what this looks like. The previous coaching staff would not have made this a game. I just don't believe it.
3: No, oh, yeah, and I'm not saying that they would have. I just personally disagree with it. Mike Bobo called a great game. Personally, I just I think there were a key couple of key decisions late in the game, particularly on Third down and two, right there in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I didn't love that call. Where you, know what? you need you need to call you need you need to put your player because let's be honest, at that point they knew that Finley was not 100 percent and could not, in my opinion, be 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 the guy they needed. And I think they didn't put him in the position that they needed to put him in. Well, they to ran ice the ball on game. third
1: and two, Sting. Well,
2: that's yeah. Fair. I don't
3: I don't like that call. It's fair, like but it also
2: I'll say the overall product. I mean, as as opposed to what we've seen even in wins this season. I mean, I was impressed with the with what Auburn Auburn was operating with in these circumstances. I mean, um. I mean, you're not going to get much. You're asking for a perfect performance with a backup quarterback and, and with a six and five football team. Their morale shot. They're going up against an Alabama team that's trying to re- recuperate. They're trying to get prepped for the Georgia game next weekend this is obviously a rivalry they want it just as badly i mean these are really tough circumstances tire left side
1: of the offensive line was hurt you were starting backups at left tackle and left guard
2: the pass protection side of your line i mean i mean this is this is a game where auburn's back was against the wall and i think they put up a near perfect performance because had they had tank i don't know gone down uh on that on that second down carry had they i will say that mike bobba running out of shotgun on third and two not the best idea
1: yeah but could and this is something that i thought about was tj finley healthy enough to be able to adep- adequately get the sneak. handoff off no get get a handoff
2: um, off i think he could have i think he could have gotten a sneak in if he if they really wanted to push it
1: see what what i thought about oftentimes when he when he got taped up i was like you know it's gonna be really hard to get under center and turn around and and give handoffs to to running backs because your, your ankle's hurting you right and, and it's gonna hobble you up you're not gonna be as quick getting back there it's not gonna be as easy as a transition those are the things that we take for granted in football but it it's not easy you Mm -hmm. know and and that's why you saw a lot of pitch plays late in the game because they didn't want him to have to turn around and hand it off and I think that's why they went shotgun there but I'm with you though I'm with both of you I don't love the run on third down and two and here's my reason Auburn finished the game averaging 0.6 yards per carry you needed two yards that that's that's not like you could double that and Auburn doesn't even get mm-hmm. 2 yards you know what i mean like Auburn yeah. could double what they were getting on average and you don't get those 2 yards i know we have the benefit of hindsight here so this isn't completely fair for me to say this and i think that this specific play probably was in their playbook for this overtime 2 point shootout situation to but Go if ahead. you run that play in that moment right there Auburn won the ball game yeah. In the first overtime? No, not even in the first overtime. If you run that on oh, third
2: down and two, it's
1: over. Auburn wins the ball game. You run that on third down and two, Auburn wins the you ball game. You can run it
3: in first overtime too you and can, be fine. And personally, and I, might think they, I think Auburn should have gone for it, uh, gone for two at the end of that first overtime yeah. because if you're the less talented team, there is zero benefit to extending the game and just kicking the extra point. Because let
2: me tell you what Alabama is not going to do stop that play. Because they they were fooled by it. It was it was at the beginning of it, it looked like Auburn was going to line up, and it to me it looked like oh it's their typical two point conversion play. They roll out to the right, they try and throw a flat route or something like that. Oh, back the other way to Shanker, gotcha. There's they There's not one guy over there. They were not going to stop that at any at any point during that game if Auburn wanted to run.
1: So it. like we have the benefit of knowing the, what happened in the future, and that play may have even not even been on their radar in that spot with the way that coaches put together their play sheets. That may not even be on their horizon in that moment, and so it's not totally fair to point that out you could have ran that play in any other key moment on an offensive drive in Alabama territory to extend and maybe get more points on some of those short yardage situations that you had in their territory deep all you needed and once again this is hindsight all you needed was three more points and you win the ball game right and so you understand not them not calling that early that early in the game because you don't know if you're going to get those stops later and you may want to be able to pull that out later on um but still just just food for thought there Let's head to the phone lines now. Number to call 334-321-1390, And Andrew is on the line with us. Andrew, how's it going?
4: Hey, how y'all doing, guys? Appreciate y'all taking my call.
1: Go for it. What's on your mind,
4: man? I am. Uh, I've got a. I'd be better, you know, if we had a different outcome from that game on Saturday. I got a bad taste in my mouth leaving uh, Jordan here mm-hmm. Saturday night. Um, you know, one thing that kind of sticks out to me is, and, and maybe you guys feel differently about it, but.
5: The effort
4: that I saw, you know, out of our team, defense looked, I agree with you, the best it's looked all year, you know, inexcusable in, in my opinion. You know, to see them play with that effort on Saturday, where was that effort, you know, against South Carolina, you know, and then blowing the lead to Mississippi State, that just really frustrates me and, you know, we had a chance, you know, a, a few things bounce our way. We're looking at a 10-2 year easily, in my opinion, you know. So I'm just a little frustrated, you know, seeing seeing that effort, uh, the grit the guys gave. I love that, um, you know, just wishing for a different outcome. And, um, you know, that's, that's just something that's been weighing my, on my mind heavy since Saturday night.
1: I think that they put in effort in the games before. Obviously, you know, they got up 14-0 on South Carolina. I think that was more the coaching staff's fault in the South Carolina game, that they weren't able to pull that out. I don't think they put him in great positions. I mean, Tank was Tank was leave, leaving everything on the floor in, in Columbia. I mean, he he was he ran for 164. I mean, he was shedding guys, shedding tackles left and right. You know, I don't know if that was an effort issue there. I just think that was the coaching staff maybe. But it's also a little bit easier to maybe get up for the Alabama game than it is for South Carolina game. And I, I know that's not something that I, – I don't want to hear it. I know you don't want to hear it. I, I, I hate that thought, you know, because you should treat every game like it's the most important game um and I do think it has something to do with the fact that it's the Iron Bowl that they were able to get up and take themselves to that level we've seen it time and time again in the history of the rivalry I think that that's kind of you know part of what gets people that extra willpower that maybe you don't tap into against the South Carolina or something like that but I got to give the coaching staff credit too though I think they prepared the team well for the game and I think they at least I think we should all be happy they at least got them up for the game right Auburn didn't get embarrassed that's something to be that's something to be happy about right
4: Oh yeah, yeah, no doubt, definitely. Uh, you know, things to to build on and and look forward to. But you know, I'm not one to to, to blame uh, the referees. But man, can can we not get somebody out there? Those where were the those are obvious intentional grounding on Bryce Young. I mean, do you guys agree with me there on the last drive?
6: Okay, so and then
1: I wrote, and then the holding
4: ahead. in the end zone. I mean, really, just man, that infuriates me. So,
1: Andrew we got to head to a quick break my man we'll address that on the other side we appreciate the call
4: appreciate it guys
1: that was Andrew on the line with us Lance we'll let you take that away on the other side of this break Sweet. I know you got some thoughts on the on the penalties and then we'll also get to Dan on the other side of this break you're listening to On The Line back on On The Line Noah Gardner and Lance John with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Central Alabama talking about Auburn's Iron Bowl lost to Alabama, twenty-four to twenty-two, in quadruple overtime. Number to call: three three four three two one thirteen ninety is the number that will put you through to on the line. And we have got Dan on the line with us. Dan, we got a couple minutes. How's it going?
7: I'm um, doing all right.
1: Yeah, I'm still. <laughs> I'm still barely getting my voice back. <laughs> Same.
7: That was one of the best games. I, you know, I mean it. It sucked in the very end, but I mean, you know. There's a lot of things I would talk about. Obviously, on that last drive, there's it seemed like there was like five or six things that could have been called that actually weren't called. But it, I mean, I really wouldn't have, I wouldn't even expecting to get any calls in the game. Honestly, before I went into the game, so <laughs> the fact that it was called pretty fairly in the first half, I was I was pretty shocked. But but like you guys said, the, the effort that the team played with. And yes, when you go on the road and the other team has got the crowd cheering for them. It helped, but that was probably the loudest environment I've ever been in, maybe short of the national championship game. Um, you know, Auburn won, but it—it it was just the way the defense was playing. It was like it was like you wanted to cheer. I mean, it was like it's like every single first down, second down, third down, and they, they just kept making play after play. And so, you know, yes, we might disagree with some things the way the defense was called this year in certain games. You know, some games we totally locked it down perfectly and looked amazing, and then some games we had problems. You know, and then the same thing on offense. You know, some games we really look like we were doing great, and then some games, obviously, we struggle. But it does seem like if you can get those other pieces of the puzzle that we need on the team, you know, strengthen our receiving core,
8: you know, get our offensive line figured out,
7: I think this team loves this staff, and they're willing to, even after losing four games in a row, to give their – I mean, every ounce of energy – to, to To try to win that game, I, I mean, I mean, it was incredible. Uh, like, like how how hard our players were playing and how hard they were trying, and and, and you know, and I, I mean, that's I mean, that's they. I mean, they said they put it on the line. They put everything they had on the line. They did,
8: you know. And so I, I feel like,
7: you know, I know I know there's some games where we're shaking our heads, wondering about you know, you know how we gave up so many touchdowns in a row to Mississippi State and all that, but. It does seem like sometimes when they put it together, man, they really can, can do a great job. I mean, they really can. So, you know, I kind of I hope the staff kind of stays together, and I hope it, it really does look like recruiting is going to going to blow up. I mean, I've, I've been reading every article out there, and every every person was as blown away as I was. So, you know, I, I just hope we just just give them time because I, I really think that we can have a special staff and and a, and have that great team that we've been wanting to have
1: very soon i don't disagree so. with you dan i appreciate the call
7: Appreciate.
1: It. that was dan on the line with us i don't disagree with him i think it would be a very very poor decision at this point from a recruiting standpoint to move on from your two coordinators or one of your two coordinators because Derek mason is in there in a lot of these battles right now that auburn's trying to get some of these key recruits some of these guys that they're trying to flip just look at the pictures that they have with the recruits Derek mason's in a ton of the pictures guys I mean, like that, that is not a guy that you want to move on from because he's, he's helping Auburn win some key battles right now on that front. Now, recruiting doesn't look good right now in the rankings, but I think at the end of signing day, that's when you might want to evaluate where Auburn's at and what this coaching staff did here in this first year. And I still think that they all deserve another year after that um, for all the people that have been impatient out there because it's one year that they, they had a tough hand dealt to them coming in
2: yeah I agree with you there and look I think that while I will say it was was not perfect but it was it was as close to perfect as Auburn could have reasonably expected to get on Saturday with the with the circumstances that both coordinators were dealing with Uh, again just really proud of the way that this team fought and recruiting definitely needs to pick up uh, if Auburn is going to have success against the rivals later on down the road
1: Let's head to a break here on On the Line. When we come back, Paul, stay on the line with us. We'll get to you on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line.
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: Back on, on the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. Number to call, 334-321-1390. Phone lines are lighting up, talking about Auburn's quadruple overtime loss to Alabama. But what a game it was and what a performance it was by the Auburn Tigers. We're going to go back to the phone lines again, and Paul has been waiting patiently for us. Paul, we appreciate you waiting on us. How's it going today?
9: Going well, guys. Beautiful day. That's right. couple couple quick questions that may not be quick but you know you look at the sec and the officiating it's just hard to believe if you follow the money that having two teams in the championship is how much is how much more is it worth to have a second team in the championship
1: you mean in the playoff yes yeah i mean it's a no doubt you'd want to if you can get them in I don't disagree there. So, I
9: mean, how much more is it? Twenty million, thirty million? That million? I don't
1: know. I don't. I don't know the number figures on that.
9: But I've always said, follow the money, and the money says Alabama needs to be there, and it's good for the conference. And so I think that's what the, you know, you look at it, and on that last drive, well start with the with the with the uh, long run where they called holding. It was no, there's no way that was holding. Would you agree with that?
1: You're talking about uh, the the swing pass to Jarquez out yeah, of that, the backfield, it, where the guy flopped out on the like sideline. He flopped, yeah. Yep. Yeah. No, I hated that, and that happened on. Um, that is not the first time that that's been called this year against Auburn. I, that may have been the only time of the Alabama game that I can remember. But I'm like that the the receiver literally just fell down. He got put on his butt. It was good. It was good blocking. I hated that call. You, I'm I'm with you. But I will say this, Paul, Alabama did get called for like a season high of penalties. They had 11 for 129. It's not like the refs – I mean, the refs did right. get Albert some so, good calls in there.
9: All right, so go back to that last drive when we had their quarterback throws. How is that not intentional, Brown? I thought that was the definition of intentional.
1: So, I'm going to let
2: Lance take this one because so. he's been in some beefs with people on social media about this. <laughs> yeah, so my, my mentions are on fire because of this right now. So I wrote an article about this. I wrote an article about the five penalties that I thought happened on that final drive, and two of them were those intentional groundings, right? And you're talking about the one specifically where he got hit. I went and looked up the rule, and according to both the NFL and I believe the college rule, at least from what I can find, if you're in the tackle box, right, and you are throwing to an area where there is, an, there is no receiver or there is an ineligible receiver, it is called intentional grounding. If you are getting hit then the then it's then it's iffy from what i've read and if the ball is thrown past line of the line of scrimmage then it's not intentional grounding but if you go back and watch it and you slow it down bryce young had either been he was in the in the process of releasing the ball or was about to release the ball before moultrie even touched him he was not looking at either receiver that had that had made uh i believe it was an out and up kind of route number six and there was also a tight end like 11 or 10 yards down the field, the uh, down the middle. He was not – Young was not looking at either of those players. He threw the ball at the foot of the umpire four yards past the line of scrimmage. Even if the rule states that that's not intentional grounding, in my opinion – Bryce Young was trying to avoid a loss of down, and he was trying to stop the clock. There was no intention, at least in my opinion, for him to make a play or to throw the ball to a receiver. It should have been intentional grounding, and it should have been a loss of down. Even if the rule states he got hit, it was past the line of scrimmage, it probably shouldn't be it. I'm saying the rule should be changed, or they should have called it, because I think there was enough there for it to be called.
9: Okay. All right, second thing, what about a delay of game? On that, one of those intentional grounding, yeah, so, wasn't there a delay of game as well?
2: Yeah, on the second intentional grounding, the clock hit zero and it actually stayed there for a couple of seconds. There should have been a delay of game and a 10-yard penalty. Five yards? Five yeah, yards, I mean, excuse I just, me. I just
9: don't understand how that stuff's not
2: called. Well, I'll say this. I, I wrote an article again about those five different things that I thought were penalties. I did not include the delay of game, but I'll, I'll say, while all five of those are not going to be called on a given day, at least one of them should have been right and that would have sh- uh, that would have severely hampered alabama's ability to uh to to get to get uh get a touchdown on the board so one of those should have been called one of the six definitely should have been called i think uh the way that the final drive was managed was egregious okay all
9: right gentlemen thank you i'll hang up with
2: appreciate it paul
1: that was paul on the line with us if you want to call in 334 321 1390 also say this though don't give up a 30 yard touchdown pass into your student section end zone yeah good job jalen no, 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 <laughs> okay, okay. I, I'm not about that, but I'm just saying, like, Albert did give up a big play at the end of the drive.
2: So you'll, you'll be willing to criticize us giving up a touchdown, but you won't be able to acknowledge the fact that the player that did it gave up the touchdown. I'm not criticizing him as a player, I think he yeah. played great. I think there were moments in this game where he locked up, but let's acknowledge the fact Jalen Simpson gave up the touchdown. He did,
1: he did. And just...
2: also, also Ja'Kory Brooks, I mean, that, I will say this about the heroics of this game, that was an Alabama receiver that had two catches heading into this contest. Props to him. And Alabama been, made might, the plays. Might have been a push off. Might have been a push off.
1: <laughs> Alabama made the plays, and I'll, I'll I'll say this about the officiating. I think Auburn got. I don't think Auburn got breaks. Okay. I believe mm-hmm. mo- most of everything that was called uh, on Alabama was a penalty. Now I do think Auburn was freed up on some. There were some PIs that weren't called against Auburn. I, I will say that, and if and if, you know, I, I we can't deny that. I mean, there were there were some PIs that were not called against Auburn. I think you can also look on the other side of it and you say, look, man, Bama got penalized eight, 11 times for 129 yards. 129 yards. That is a ton. I mean, they weren't turning a blind eye. I mean, Auburn had some key drives um, advanced, mm-hmm. especially there at the end when Auburn needed first downs when they needed it most. They had key drives marched on because they got some calls that in the past we you know you may not have gotten right whether it was against Alabama or South Carolina against anybody I mean the week before and against South Carolina I mean you can say without a doubt that we didn't believe that that was indisputable video evidence Mm -hmm. that that ball touched uh Jalen Simpson's leg like that that I don't uh, like that was a clear moment where I think the officials messed it up but then again this week I think officiating did help Auburn a lot at times
2: I will say I'll say this about Simpson I'm not trying to hate on the kid he's my if, if you have not listened to the show in the offseason, you know that I really like Jalen Simpson. I think he was a phenomenal player for Auburn in his limited time last season. I think he's been very good this season in certain moments. I personally think that he's a great dude. I enjoy watching his Instagram lives. I think he's a good kid. I have nothing against him. I was just I was making a lighthearted joke and just pointing out the fact it's like, well, it happened. I have nothing against him.
1: Let's head to the phone lines again. 334-321-1390. 3, 3, 3, 1, Mark is on the line. Mark, how's it going?
8: Doing pretty good. How are you guys?
1: Doing real well. What's on your mind? All
8: right. So I I want to talk briefly about the uh, the quarterback play. Um, You know, we obviously had an injury to our quarterback, and, uh, you know, it it looked bad. I mean, he was – he could barely get to the line of scrimmage. He could barely get to the huddle. And I'm just wondering, who is our third-string quarterback? And why was there no – I thought about putting them in there because one thing I noticed about this game and how Alabama defended the run for Auburn is they didn't allow anything up the middle. It was from the first drive, the second drive, all the way through the game. And when T.J. Finley got hurt, I mean, that's all we did, just hand off up the middle. And Alabama knew it. They knew it was coming. And so I'm wondering why, why not put someone where there's at least, you know, Throws in Alabama's mind maybe they're gonna pass because they knew he wasn't going to pass at some point and it was just teeing off on our on our running backs and it just it was baffling to me to watch that I mean it reminded me of uh, Byron Lebwich when when they had to carry him to the line of scrimmage I mean he was like hobbling that bad and so yeah that's my question why, who's our third string and why was there no consideration of, of
1: putting him in there according to the depth chart it's Grant Lloyd which. I'll be honest with you, if TJ Finley if they could get TJ Finley the ability to get out there, even though he was hobbling around, I think you would prefer a, you know, sixty percent TJ Finley to to Grant Loy or, or anybody else out there. Now the question that I had at times was, why no Demetrius Davis here down the stretch at the end of this season why have we not seen him yet because Mm -hmm. at the time that Bo got hurt in the Mississippi State game there was three games max left in the football season you can play Demetrius Davis and it's not burning his red shirt so why are we not seeing Demetrius Davis right now I've had that question and your guess is as good as mine I have no no knowledge of anything about that and then you know I think that they just believed more in T.J. Finley even though he was hurt than in grant lloyd who is the backup and based on performances that we've seen out of grant lloyd the little bit that we've seen from him uh i don't i don't disagree with that thought process too much at the end of the day it was bad for auburn though
2: at, at what was going on at quarterback and I agree with Noah and I will say this I do I would have liked to have seen Demetrius Davis either in this game in that moment uh, on third down or on that drive What is he
1: even ready though That's right the other so question. so here are
2: the two things that I'll say in defense of the the staff number one Davis is incredibly inexperienced as opposed to the fifth year senior Grant Loy the second year guy and TJ Finley right so so though he, he doesn't have as much experience as those two guys and third I don't necessarily know if he's a scheme fit I don't know if this coaching staff believes that he is and he was a Malzon recruit so maybe this coaching staff just does not have a lot of faith in him as a freshman even though I will say he's probably our best dual threat guy outside of Knicks on the roster and in that moment when you need to either run the football with somebody else or have another threat out there or have somebody that can throw it just a little bit I think Davis would have been a good option so yeah like like uh, no saying I'm just a little confused as to why we've not seen him at all I would have liked to have seen him on a couple of plays
8: Yeah, that was just that, that was my thought. I feel like, uh, I mean, if if the game plan is only to hand the ball off, if we're gonna, if, whether it's T.J. Finley or or anybody else, if we're only going to hand the ball off, you gotta be able to put someone else in there that may take some pressure off, where Alabama maybe has to second guess, you know, just sending everybody up the middle. Yeah. Um. I don't, know. All right, I don't disagree. To take with my it. call, guys.
1: Appreciate it, Mark. Don't be a stranger, my man. That was Mark on the line with us. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Is the number to call? Um, you know, Demetrius Davis. There's no way you could play him in this game. There's no way. I don't see how you could put him in. And I'm getting some looks right now from Sting. It's the Alabama game, man. You're gonna put a freshman out there in that moment, who who we don't even know how many how many reps he's gotten with the first team. Now you can make the argument that that's the coach's fault, but that they didn't prepare for this scenario you know that they didn't prepare for what happens if T.J. Finley gets hurt and maybe they did and it was probably Grant Loy and they may have assessed the situation they probably had a discussion with T.J. like hey man if we tape you up can you keep going and he did he kept going and the offense even kind of moved the ball a little bit you know I mean they had a chance they had two yards and Auburn wins the game they had two yards you know and so when I look at it like I think it's probably because Demetrius Davis was not prepared to play we don't know how many reps, how what the reps look like in practice, right? Like we don't know what that hierarchy looked like, and he may be completely unprepared for this moment. Then you definitely don't want him out there because if he throws a pick, then you then you, all the momentum switches, and that that does more harm than good. Um, they may not have even worked. Now I'm not saying that they didn't, but they may have not really spent a lot of time with him on running a read option. Type of play. They may not have even spent any time with him on those packages.
3: I don't know why you wouldn't, personally. If
1: They wouldn't because
2: it maybe isn't a part of their scheme and their vision right. for the offense. It may not be in their playbook, man. I'll, it may not. I'll also say this, though. Finley had thrown two interceptions up until that point, and one of them, thankfully, was called back because of uh, – what was it roughing the passer penalty yes I don't trust Grant Loy's arm and decision making better than uh, Demetrius Davis's because I've gotten to see what he did at Bowling Green and I've got to see his limited action in the spring game so uh, also sure but I'm just
1: saying understanding the offense understanding the play understanding where to go go with the football and this and this offense puts a lot of responsibility on its quarterbacks and I don't know if they could have watered it down enough for a guy who has literally zero experience and live football at the collegiate level, nor do we know exactly how much experience he's gotten in practice because he may have gotten
2: very little.
1: Right. right. That just, I still uh,
2: trust him more than Grant Lloyd is what I'm saying.
1: I don't. I would have trusted Grant Lloyd. I can throw screens yeah. with Grant Lloyd.
2: I can throw screens with Demetrius Davis. Or just quick I slant can throw something screen. over the middle. <laughs> which. Never
3: gets called for some reason, just a quick now, slant over the middle. I'm
2: not attacking the middle with Davis or Loy, but I will say if I'm going to choose somebody, I'm choosing Davis. I don't trust Grant Loy to put an accurate ball on a receiver because I've already seen him for five years now and in the in the spring game with, with Auburn's receivers not be able to put it on somebody's body. We haven't seen Demetrius Davis, but we have seen Grant Loy. I don't trust him to throw a better ball than Demetrius Davis in that moment.
1: I don't disagree with you, fully i'm just saying the way that a coach will think is like i have not given Experience. this guy any any, any they, they, they may not have even given him any kind of a look and the yeah. fact that he didn't even play in the south carolina game like during the week and sting made the point sting asked well why didn't they and it's like well it may not be a part of what they want to do offensively right. and you only get so much practice time during the week that they may have not have saw it as valuable to go and put that time in to work with Demetrius Davis to do those things. They may have so saw it as more valuable what,
2: to, to give reps elsewhere.
1: But So then what is he doing during practice?
2: I don't know. He also – I've heard a couple people say he
1: might be hurt. It's the other side of it. And, and, like, we can sit here and speculate this all we want. The reality is we don't know, and because we don't know – you, you can't make any type of assumptions.
2: I will say and this, though. At the end though, of the day, you
1: have what you got on the field, and that's what you have to go off of. I
2: will say this, though. The South Carolina game plan, all they were doing that week was figuring out how they couldn't give the ball more to Tank Bixby. And it's like, okay, how can we make T.J. Finley throw the ball 32 times in this game? Because that's <laughs> yeah. going to be fun to watch.
1: I, you know There are a couple of key plays that you've pointed out, Sting, that I didn't love, like the third down and two play call. I think if you run the, the Lutz and Kirkland tight end screen. Yeah. I think you pick up the first down, and you win. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. I mean there's, there's a number of things that could have happened a little bit differently late from a play calling standpoint, but I also think this game reached a point where nothing was working. Nothing. Your quarterback was hurt. His plant, like his last couple of throws that he had thrown, as Lance just pointed out, was that TJ Finley had thrown, you know, a couple of picks in this ball game. It's clear that the, court, like the quarterback's plant leg is very important in the throwing process. Mm-hmm. And the fact that that was the leg that was hurt okay right
3: it's very bad
1: and it was affecting his accuracy on throw. so like the passing game was shot it was shot you had to run the ball and i asked you this during the break when it comes down to it and you realized as this game progressed when you realized okay the passing game's not working and our running game's not working nothing's working on offense auburn finished with 159 yards they finished with 5.3 yards per pass and 0.6 yards per rush you got to a point in this game where you're like man we're not scoring again Okay, or maybe that you're not scoring again, but it, like it's very, very difficult for us to move the football because neither of things are working, pass or run. At some point, you have to assess the situation of, all right, which, what is my highest percentage play? Which guy is most likely to pop off, one-legged T.J. Finley or Tank Bigsby? And I I choose Tank Bigsby 10 out of 10 times in that situation. I would have found every way possible to get Tank Bigsby the football in creative ways. But the thing is, at the end of the day, you have a game plan. You have what you've prepared for this week. That is in your offense, everything that's installed. And if it's not there, you can't just draw it up on the sideline, backyard football style. You go with what you got. And Auburn, I think, did that, and at the end of the day, it just came down to the fact that Auburn didn't have the
2: horses to finish. All right, this is what they should have done. Let's get a two-tight end set. Let's put Tank on the right side of the quarterback, the quarterback, Wildcat, J.J. Begees. All right, we're also going to have a receiver coming in motion, and we're going to do some type of triple option 2013 Auburn style. All right, the option is either to give it on the sweep for Begees to keep it or to hand it off to Tank Bigsby. I hate that I'm saying this, but I really would not have hated a play call like that.
3: (laughs) Also, but I also say that in hindsight. Yeah. Also, nobody's talking about
1: nobody's talking about the offensive line here. The offensive line on a consistent basis got blown up in this right, game, and here. they shouldn't. Auburn would try. To mean, run. Okay, you say that they shouldn't, but they were also playing with the best run defenses in the country, and their two starting, the two players on the left side of the line That's that true. started with a consistent basis were gone. You know, I mean, like that. You were starting backups on the left side of the line. You were already behind. The eight ball there, you yeah. know? I mean, there wasn't much you could do in the O line. Like, at the end of the day, if your O line gets beat consistently like that, it's over. We got to head to a quick break here. When we come back, we'll wrap up our number one. Wrapping up hour number one of On the Line, Noah Garner and Lance Dawn with you on ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central Alabama. Going to head back to the phone lines here. we got three minutes before we get out of here at the top of the hour. we got David with us on the line. David, how's it going?
10: Going pretty good, guys. How about y'all?
1: Doing real well. What's on your mind?
10: Hey, it wasn't officiating to cost us a game. It is kind of hard to run out of bounds between the guard and the center. It's, in fact, it's impossible to. If they run that ball up the middle, that game is over with.
1: You're saying I, I, you're saying on the play before third down and two. Yes. Yeah.
10: And I mean that you, you there is it's impossible to run out of bounds between the guard and the center. I've never seen it done, and um, I haven't figured that call out yet. But that's why I guess I'm. I live on Rice Mill Road, and he lives somewhere else.
1: <laughs> I'll say this though, David. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I liked the fact that, you know, and Tank got pulled out of bounds. You know, he didn't try and run out. But I'll, I'll say that, you know, and I'm with you, there is a lot of credence to saying run it up the middle there. But I think if Auburn does run it up the middle, they either lose yards and they're in third down and long and there's no hope to to move the football there on third down. Uh, and maybe you shaved another 30 seconds off the clock, but Bama still will get the ball back with a minute left. Um, at the end of the day, they, they still drove the ball 98 yards in a minute and a half. So, I mean... And there's there's a lot of things that could have prevented them from winning the but, game there 40, at the end. Uh,
10: Forty second means a lot to them. I mean, you look at what yeah. what, what the score was, and Alabama was taking forever to run plays. I mean, they took up every second of the clock. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know, I don't know, but anyhow, but um, that, I, it wasn't officiating cost of the game. It, it, but um, anyway, guys, y'all have a good one in War Eagle.
1: You too, David. Appreciate the call. That was David on the line with us. 334 Three three four three two one. 1390 is the number to call off we'll jeremy law of radio alabama sports with us at the top of the hour at 3 p.m to join us to talk about this maybe from the alabama side of things also what he thought about the matchup i'll tell you there are a lot of alabama fans out there inside jern Hare stadium and i tell you i saw it with my own eyes they were having a come apart in that stadium okay we all saw it there was, it was a rough time out there for for
2: alabama for about uh, 59 minutes yeah the uh honk if you sack bryce young stickers were already being printed uh until until maybe the last drive that was uh it was a very frustrating from an alabama fan's perspective 100 percent, maybe one of the most frustrating games i would have ever witnessed to have not scored an offensive touchdown w- until 30 seconds were left in the game i mean just just wild stuff uh from alabama and obviously we're going to continue to dive into it as the show goes on
1: man we have talked very little I, I I don't think about the x's and o's of what happened in the ball game and, and some other things decision making wise that maybe we would have done different haven't even talked about overtime haven't even talked about the coaching carousel yet in college football i mean there's been major moves so much more to come up in hour number two we're still talking about the iron ball we're still taking your calls jeremy law radio alabama sports on the other side of the spring
2: Hour number two of On the Line, Lance Daw, Noah Gardner here with you on ESPN 106.7 and Fox Sports Central Alabama Intern sting behind the controls today. Talking about Auburn's four overtime loss to the Alabama Crimson Tide. Fantastic Iron Bowl this past Saturday. In, we are now pleased to be joined by Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports, resident Alabama fan in the house. Jeremy, how are you doing today?
5: All right, guys, I've narrowed this down to four names the young back, the Bryce back, the match catch, or the Jaskori Brooks game. Which one are you guys taking?
2: Uh, I'm taking beat down in the SEC championship game. What, are, what, oh. what do you think, Noah? What a comeback.
5: You know, man, you know, you guys might be feeling a little better if Tank doesn't make a really big B mistake <laughs> down the stretch and not getting out of bounds, though. So. You know, I, listen, I told Noah, what was that, Noah? Friday we were texting, maybe it was Saturday morning. I not told you what was going to happen. A lot of Auburn fans were telling me it's going to be a blowout. Blow I told you what was going to happen. Blitz. Co. after Bryce Young. They cannot touch anybody. This might be the worst offensive line after a year long of football. This might be the worst offensive line in the SEC I thought Derek Mason dialed up a marvelous game plan. Unfortunately, I just think on the last drive, they were a little bit out of gas. Looked like the uh, edge rushers, pass rushers were a little tired. But, you know, man, hats off to Auburn. If Bo Nicks plays in this game, Auburn probably wins this game. But then you have to give me if Tua plays in 19, Alabama wins that game. So we're not going to trade injuries. Yep. Um, so that was kind of one and one there. But, man, hats off to Brian Harson. Mike Bobo, I thought he did as good as he could with TJ Finley, although Auburn's offense really didn't do anything for four quarters. Uh, they got put in, in almost in touchdown range after a targeting call, which was the right call. Was the right call, but you know, Pete Golding had a great game. He knew they had a backup quarterback. Defense played lights out, Auburn's defense played lights out, and it's weird to say that eleven and one Alabama just narrowly better, narrowly better in Jordan Hare Stadium than six and six Auburn.
1: So what does that mean for you in terms of where this rivalry is at moving forward and what Auburn can do on the recruiting trail to try and maybe not equalize but begin to close the gap?
5: Well, I'm not sure if, if Saturday to me means – or if to really anybody else means where this rivalry is. I mean, it's the best rivalry in college football. Ryan Harrison, Mike Bobo, Derek Mason, it's still going to be an uphill battle. They're going to lose a lot of talent off of this year's team. If you're Auburn and next year, you've got to go to both Mississippis. You have to go to Alabama. You have to go to Georgia. And you still got to play Texas A&M, LSU. Not sure who else they gather from the east. Hopefully, with all those teams I just named I mean, for Auburn's sake, give them a Vandy or somebody, a Missouri from the east. But it's still going to be a tough, tough road ahead. I still think they can close well in recruiting. I mean, what is well? Um, the problem in the SEC is, we talk about this a lot, Noah and Lance, is that you know if, if, you, finish top, if you finish 15th in the nation, you might have just finished 5th in the West. So it, it, that's a problem, but maybe Brian Harson and, and Derek Mason and Mike Bobo can try to put a little class uh, together here at, the, here at the end, especially before early signing day, and see what they can get done in the spring to improve this program.
2: I do want to talk about that final drive that Alabama had. 97 yards, no timeouts, needed a touchdown to tie it, to take it to overtime. What were you feeling uh, as that drive uh, unfolded?
5: Well, you know, on the fourth and seven, man, Bryce had a smile on his face. And I, just, I, was, I was with some of my best friends watching the game. Um, some of my other best friends went to the stadium, went to the game, and they asked me to go, and I said, why would you go there? You know what's about to happen if you go there. I will never go back, not because it's a bad place, not because it's not fun. I've just seen too many things happen in Jordan-Hare, but i see Bryce crack that smile on fourth and seven, and I'm literally thinking, you know, nothing bothers this guy. Nothing Nothing in his mind is telling him right now that he's not going to win this game. Now, he may not have won the game, but nothing was telling Bryce Young in his head that he's not going down here to tie this game and take it to overtime and win. So I mean, I, it was a big drive, man. This, this, it's one of the best moments in honorable history. And there's been some great moments for both teams: Pump Bama punt, Van Tiffin kick six, the drive by McElroy. So I mean, no, but there to me, no moment is better than any other one because there's dismay on one side and pure elation on the other. But really, here, if you're Alabama man, you, you have to, you have to circle the wagons. You have to figure out something up front. There's no excuse. I hate to say it. If Alabama loses that game, it's the most embarrassing loss of Nick Saban's tenure because that is, it's just not a good. It's a it's a it's a good Auburn team. It's not a great Auburn team, and it's not close to really a team that should have been on the field with Alabama. When you talk about roster, you talking about talent, you about the greatest coach of all time, probably the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback. And that's not me. That's not just me saying. It, it's like Ryan Rosillo's of ESPN and so many other people. If Alabama loses that game, it might be the worst loss for Nick Saban. Maybe they, I mean. And probably over the ULM 07 game. So they got to circle the wagons after this and get ready for Georgia. And I'll be the first one to tell you. I've been telling you all this for a few weeks. Dude, I, if they beat Georgia, I will be the most surprised person that that's watching the game. I just don't really see anything that Alabama does well enough to beat Georgia. Maybe the defense comes out and plays great. Maybe they just say, we're not going to run the football. We're going to go five wide every play and we're going to get the ball out of Bryce's hands as fast as possible, to me, that just still doesn't feel like enough.
1: Bryce Young, Heisman, how likely is that after this game?
5: I heard an interview with Gary Danielson earlier today, and he said that he still has to have a great showing versus Georgia. I'm not so sure that's the case. I mean, listen, Alabama had 217 yards in the fourth quarter against Auburn. And if you think about that, how do they get 217 yards in the fourth quarter? I mean, they were beaten and bruised, and Auburn tore them up the whole game, and somehow they put up over 200 in the fourth quarter. He leads the drive. I think it's, it's not in the bag yet, but if he can go throw for 275, two touchdowns and no interceptions versus Georgia, I'm just not really sure how you don't give it to him. I mean, who is a better player other than him right now, Will Anderson? I mean – I, I just don't really see it around college football. C.J. Stroud goes out. They're not ever really in that ball game versus Michigan. That kind of really hurt his chances. So I, I think it's Bryce right now. But if Bryce goes out and throws for 150, a touchdown, and three picks versus Georgia, like a lot of quarterbacks have done this year, uh, I think they're, it could still easily be up in play if Bryce doesn't at least play well. Not great, but play well versus Georgia.
1: Moving forward, looking at the Auburn Tigers and I want the Alabama perspective on this you got to watch Nick Saban coach against Gus Malzahn for eight nine years what is your impression of Nick Saban now coaching against Brian Harson moving forward well
5: it depends on where he's coaching at I, next year is next year if they're playing at in Tuscaloosa and Auburn hasn't, not only have they not really, they haven't won in Tuscaloosa since 2010, but they haven't played well at all there in the in like the last five trips. Bryce Jones to be a second-year starting quarterback, probably coming off a of Heisman season. So that's tough. Um, but in year three, that's the year that everybody wants to see from Brian Harson. Auburn should let him get three full seasons in because I do think he inherited – a storm, I really I just uh, he inherited not a great roster. He inherited that offensive line Listen, the best thing for Brian Harson is he could say this year is this wasn't my team. Now, eventually he will have to take responsibility for the recruiting for the product on the field, but I don't put twenty twenty one the six and six season on Brian Harson. Now, one of your calls, I think uh, I think somebody may have said earlier that Gus has a he might win the last three. But if you're Auburn, you expected to be competing for SEC championships every year. You wanted to make the college football playoff. That's why you moved away from Gus Malzama because he did not think that he was going to get you there. So now you need to do the right thing, lay off Brian Harson a little bit, and give him the time to where he can take responsibility for the product on the field. And I thought he did that all year. He said they're working hard. He said they're putting in the effort. They're putting in the game planning. You saw it in the Iron Bowl. Now, will it pay off? Will it it come to fruition? We'll see because this is a tough league and uh, some of the best coaches in America coach in this league. It's easy to catch on to what a lot of people are doing in this league. So what did, Brian Harsin deserves his chance to get his product on the field.
1: How do you feel about this offense, not just going into the SEC Championship game, but going into an offseason? Bill O'Brien, obviously I know you've had some criticism there of him, also of Doug Marone on the offensive line. What is your view of this offensive staff? Because I know you said that you they needed to reevaluate some things. I mean, what would you like to see happen at Alabama?
5: Well, yeah, yeah, you know, I alluded to you guys a few weeks ago that Alabama might see its third different center this year, and it finally came out. It was Seth McLaughlin um, had, a, had a person kind of close to the situation maybe tell me that and probably shouldn't have said it on the air. But Seth McLaughlin was getting more reps while Dalcourt was down. Saban said it after the game. Dalcourt court couldn't get the job done, whether that be by injury or not. That so, I mean, there's just so much in the play, and you're scratching your head and you're wondering why it's taking Bill O'Brien so long to get a guy like Jascorey Brooks on the field. Um, it taking to get, you know, move Chris Owens and back to Chris Owens. Like, why is it week twelve and you're still trying to make personnel changes? This doesn't happen to anybody else in the SEC. And I think for Alabama fans most frustrating thing, guys, is that you feel like you have as much talent or more, and you do, than almost everybody in the country, but you can't block. The scheme is bad. You continually run right on third and fourth and short when you should be running behind 70 and 73 with an H back in the game. I just feel like a lot of it for Alabama fans is confusion um, because you've been more dominant up front for the entirety of Nick Saban's career at Alabama. You're not doing it this year. I just think there's a lot of frustration, and I'm not sure if Bill O'Brien will be back or not. I'm not Nick Saban. I think you have to trust Nick Saban, but I would not be surprised at the end of this year if Alabama went to a more player-friendly style of offense where you don't have to think as much, where you don't have to make as many checks at the line. When you're not relying on your quarterback, a first-year starting quarterback to be making Aaron Rodgers types of checks at the line of scrimmage and all those reads, And Mac Jones just got to walk up to the line of scrimmage a lot of times last year, and he knew who was going to be open. Now, was he throwing to Slade Bolden? Not really. He was throwing to the Heisman winner and Jalen Waddell and John Mechie. But, you know, it was a lot easier, I think, for those guys last year. And a lot of that is game planning. It's scheming and just the offensive coordinator. So I think this Alabama offense – Uh, the Alabama special teams and potentially the defense. Although Pete Golding, he did what he had to do Saturday, and it's probably what he should have done Saturday and probably what he should have been doing all year with the amount of talent that he has on defense. But I would not be surprised if you had three new coordinators next year when it comes to special teams, OC and DC, or at least two. Because I think Nick Saban realizes that, you know, you have – in in games you're going to have to score a lot of points. He knows that. And in in two out of the last three – Conference games. If you take the LSU and Auburn game, they this team to score 30 points in regulation? I mean, 77 combined rushing yards in those two games. 71 Saturday, six against LSU. Something has to change, and I think Nick Saban is is uh, clever enough to figure that one out.
2: We were talking earlier about what this rivalry could look like down the line with Brian Harson being the, uh, the head coach at Auburn. But what about this entire SEC West? Obviously, Alabama struggling in some departments so far this season, as you just mentioned, with the coordinators not necessarily performing their best. What does the SEC West look like down the road if Alabama continues to play the way that they've played this season?
5: Well, listen, I mean, they were going to finish with the first, second, or third-ranked recruiting class this year. A&M could easily finish first or second. So, I mean, I don't – you get a new C in there and you're back to scoring 40 a game. And to me, this year Alabama's not scoring 40 a game. The numbers might say that, but in big-time situations, dude, they, they have not been humming on all cylinders like they should. But the, the future of the SEC West, is Alabama – and, it, and there's a lot of teams underneath him, and that's not a shot at anybody. Lane Kipp is not going to consistently win ten games. Brian Harson is not going to consistently lose six games. He's going to be nine and three a lot, but in some years, Brian Harson's is going to get Auburn to eleven and one, twelve and zero. Oh. They're going to go to an SEC championship game, and what what what, what do you know happens from there? So, and I mean, as long as Nick Saban there, it's probably going to be SEC West, Nick Saban, and then a lot of teams spotting and jockeying for that second and third spot, and Every couple of years, Nick Saban is not going to be in Atlanta.
1: Jeremy, we appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today, my man. I uh, hope you have a good time. Are you going to the SEC championship game? No,
5: no, no. Not because I don't think Alabama going to win. My, my wife's uh, well at about eight and a half months pregnant. Not going to take the chance of going out of town right now. Before uh, you just never know. So, you know, a lot of COVID babies now right now. Knowing you need to be on watch with this, they're coming out at thirty three, <laughs> thirty four, thirty five weeks. So you know you don't want to go out of town at that moment but no alabama's going to have a tough time saturday would be shocked if they win just hoping for you know a good product on the field and fight for four quarters and see what happens at the end
1: good man good husband good friend jeremy law appreciate it my man thanks Noah. that was jeremy law of radio alabama with us on the line we're going to take a quick commercial break here when we come back we'll head back to the phone lines you're listening to on the line You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 at Fox Sports Central, Alabama. It's been a fun show so far today. We just had Jeremy Law of RadioAlabamaSports.net with us on the show. Good luck to him this weekend as the Alabama Crimson Tide take on uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. But we're going to head to the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. And Ed is on the line with us. Ed, how's it going today?
10: Hey, guys. Uh, beautiful day. Uh, I'm doing okay, uh, uh, Lance. Noah, hope y'all are doing good. We're doing well. Uh, as far as the game, uh, you know, uh, it, of course there are a lot of questions. You, you know, how do you get that much? Uh, that, well, I've got to do something. Uh, I'm getting
11: Ed, do we still uh, have you? Well,
1: I'm hearing my
6: after I can't talk
1: on this. Edmund. Ed it's kinda it's kinda breaking up. Give us a call back. We're gonna move to another caller, but give us a call back. We'll take your call, all right? That was Ed on the line with us. We'll get back to you, Ed, we promise. Make sure you give us a call back. Now we're gonna go to Ty the Tiger. Ty on the line with us. Ty, how's it going, my man?
11: Oh uh, pretty good guys, pretty good man. That was a good game to go to. Um uh, winner win or lose. You know, I, I went with uh two of my best friends to uh two Updikes. Uh, it was their first iron bowl, man, so it was cool to it was cool. They were they were quiet, man, the whole game. Uh you know, they had something to talk about at the end, but they were quiet most of the game. They were shocked. Oh, they were wow. just a shot in shock. Um but speaking of the game, I did want to I do want to point out. Uh, you know, first I want to say, uh, you know, I, I feel like Auburn got a lot of good calls from the refs. I feel like there was a couple that went against us. Uh, the main one I think a lot of people aren't talking about. I mean, is that the, the touchdown that tied it in at the end of the game? I mean, he, he his his arms extended fully. I mean, it's offensive pass interference. It's hard to call that right there. But I mean, that's. If you go back and look at that, it's textbook. I mean, offensive pass interference to me. I mean, he pushed off so hard; he's he's falling out of bounds. Um, that's home. That's my opinion. Again, we got so many calls. I really can't blame that on on why we lost the game. But now here's I want to ask you guys because I did ask you last week, what's it going to take to see DD in the game? Remember? Yeah. I asked you yeah. guys, well, what's it going to take? What's it going to take? Well, I guess. You know, our quarterback not being able to walk in the fourth quarter wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. And to me, guys, we lost two games this year for the same reason. Um, Quarterback got injured, and Coach decided that his guts and his reputation, uh, what people thought of him and how hard and tough he was, was more important than, than putting a guy in that could maybe win the game for you um and i just I, that that's my opinion i i blame it solely on on the coach bobo harson whoever made the call to keep tj in there i just i think that was a mistake i i'm not i'm not i'm not saying anything about tj you know there's a difference between playing hurt and playing injured
1: i agree and TJ with that. was
11: playing injured
1: you know and and we were talking about this earlier i don't know you know, if Grant Lloyd or if Demetrius Davis, like this coaching staff doesn't tell us anything about injuries or or if you know if guys are even getting snaps in practice, like you don't know any of that, right? And so like it is on the flip side, like I agree with you, like I, I would have liked to have seen Demetrius Davis before the Alabama game. I would have liked to have seen him in the South Carolina game, but the the reality is that we didn't and we don't know why we haven't. and I, I think there must be something behind the scenes that's present preventing him from getting out on the field. Um, and, and T.J. Finley, I think, probably was the best option that they had, even if he was hurt in that moment.
11: I mean, I just I don't agree with that, though, because, again, even Lloyd, I mean, he's from Bowling Green. He could have he slung the ball or done something I mean, you could tell, look, when, it, when I – and I was in the stands, so, again, watching on TV, you kind of get a little bit more insight, a little bit more, um, you know, you get to see what happened to him, all that. So I didn't know until after the game. But I told, I told my buddies right when he threw that interception, I said, dude, he can barely walk. He can't even push off his, uh, his throwing foot because he's so hurt. Yeah, I was like, he, he's hurting us being out there. And, and that's not on him. He's a gamer. Hell yeah, he's ready to go. He's ready to play. Coach, put me in the game. But Coach has to make that decision, man. I mean, again, and I'm sitting here thinking, Demetrius Davis with the RPO, you ain't got to let him throw the ball. But we didn't have a running game all day. You had 40 rushes for, what, 23, 24 yards, something like that? I'm talking about terrible, right? You put Demetrius Davis, somebody fast as him, and an RPO, we could at least ran the ball a little bit, milk the clock.
1: I don't disagree with that. I just don't think they prepared for it. I I don't even think it was in the offense.
11: Then then again, that falls right back on the coaches, in my opinion. Again, I think he lost to Mississippi State in this game for that one reason right there that he wasn't ready the next man up, um, it just seems like these, these coaches, man, they have a plan and they stick with it. I mean, with the, the ship going down, you know, they're like the Titanic, you know, singing their violins. They're going to go down with it,
1: don't care. <laughs> See, but we don't even know if Davis is hurt. Like, I mean, I, I don't know if we know a, a whole lot about whatever is – like, I just have to defer to the coaches because we don't know, you know. We're not there. And I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt until, you know, it becomes a you know another issue. Like, if, and, if this continues into next year –
11: I agree with you, but I'll say this, guys. Um, let's see where this guy ends up in recruiting because if he doesn't come strong in recruiting, I mean, I think like 33rd, 34th, 35th in, in most. Um, hello?
1: Ed, you there? Or not Ed, Ty, you there?
11: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I heard somebody tell me shut up. Um, but anyway... All right, well, man, uh, I want to see what happens in recruiting, and uh, we're gonna go from there, man. See, see where we end up, because that's really gonna gonna be, you know, what the next year's gonna come and come and tell uh, I'd love to hear y'all talk about what Bo Nix said this weekend. You know, I, I'm I'm out on that guy. I really am. Uh, I appreciate everything he's done for Auburn, but I'm just kind of out on what he said this weekend. And uh, I'm gonna shut up, hang up, listen.
1: Appreciate it, Ty. That was Ty on the line with us, and I think we lost Ed's call again. Ed, please call back. We want to hear from you. Uh, we're having some technical issues on our side that we're working to get resolved. Ed, we appreciate your call back. Phone lines are open again, so Ed, give us a call back at three three four three two one thirteen ninety. Uh, Still about five minutes left. Lance, you want to take um,
2: some thoughts on
1: the Demetrius Davis situation?
2: Yeah, again, like I was saying earlier, I think to kind of defend this coaching staff, I think there are two things that kind of... Uh, play into the reason why he wasn't able to uh, see the field and one of them is the fact that he is incredibly inexperienced as opposed to the other two quarterbacks on roster even TJ Finley who is not 100% I think his experience uh, given the point in time was better than uh, than Demetrius Davis and also Grant Loy who's a fifth year guy but like I was saying earlier I still would have liked to have seen him out there because I trust I, I, I don't – or rather, I don't trust Grant Loy's arm. I don't trust his de- decision-making. After seeing him throw more interceptions and touchdowns at Bowling Green, uh, I don't know if he would have necessarily been the, gri- or the right guy to put out there even if T.J. Finley – if T.J. Finley broke his leg and he wasn't able to go – I would rather put Demetrius, Demetrius Davis out there for a few series instead of Grant Loy. That's just me. I think he, he is more dynamic of an athlete. I think he, he has potential to make more explosive plays. I've seen Grant Loy's arm. I've not gotten to see Demetrius Davis's arm in a college setting. I would have liked to have seen it. But again, I under, completely understand why we didn't get to see it.
1: Going to head to the phone lines again, 334-321-1390. And Travis has called back in. Travis, what's up, my man?
12: Hey, guys, did, uh, did J-Lo say the Harson's was going to be 12-0 one oh, year and play in Atlanta?
1: He did. I I, I don't see why that couldn't happen.
12: Who's this? <laughs> uh, you, you know, guys, I've been listening to the callers today, and, and I agree all right, all right, with just about every one out. of them. But the, the Andrew kid that called, I think he's 100% correct. When he said, you know, about the effort that we gave and why hadn't it been replicated, uh, wh- you know, why can't we prepare and play like that every single week? It's like we take the – the little brother role regarding Alabama so personal. And, I mean, I'm upset we lost, ain't no doubt about it. But, you know, seeing that team be so well coached, especially on defense, it, it almost makes me sick. I mean, why do we play 11 games like an average football team, and then Bama comes up, and then all of a sudden we look like a top-five team with a backup quarterback? That's something that's not talked about enough that that we as fans uh, need to change. And we, we need to demand this type of effort and preparation for 365
1: days and not just when we play Alabama. I, I get that. I, I agree with that. Um, you know, and I, I think Jeremy may have said something about this earlier. Like, it's it's easier to get up for that Bama game because for some reason, because of the nature of a rivalry, it helps you dig down deep. It helps you, you know, it, it, it helps you dig down deep. It helps you unlock some extra bit of willpower because you want to beat them so bad. Whereas, on the road in South Carolina, it may not, you know when the other teams got the crowd behind them you may not be able to find that extra gear and and you know i think there are some other circumstances around those other games before that the coaching staff failed the players it wasn't an effort thing from the players it was more of i, I would put it more on the coaches than than on the players uh, but i don't disagree with you it shouldn't be that way you should play every game like it's your last day uh, on planet earth you know and so i, I don't disagree with that thought process it, it is definitely frustrating but I'll also say on the flip side we should credit this coaching staff with their ability after a three-game losing streak, to get these guys up on their feet and still playing hard when they could have easily just got shelled. I mean, we've seen previous Auburn teams under Malzahn get shelled under these circumstances. They looked Alabama in the eye and they said, "Let's go," and they went 15 rounds with them.
12: Yeah, and uh, you're speaking of three games, four. You know, just just because you play Alabama close, it doesn't change the fact that Mason and Bobo have been abysmal in the month of November. You know, that's when the cream rides to the top, and those two coordinators butchered the three games before alabama i guess since they almost beat alabama y'all forget about that but i'm not going to i'm gonna hold them accountable i'm not saying that you get fired but i am saying that we need to pump the brakes and judge them on their entire body of work and not just one game
1: yeah travis uh, man all right guys appreciate it war eagle to you as well i always hate cutting them off always send us into a hard break though on the other side of this break we'll have doug on the line with us stay tuned
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, ESPN 106.7 in Fox Sports Central, Alabama. 30 minutes left in the show, and man, it has flown by. A lot of great callers. We're going to continue on the phone lines now, 334-321-1390. Doug is on the line with us. Doug, how's it going? What's on your mind?
13: Hey, it's going great. I'm a first-time caller just uh, in the area. I don't live anywhere close to Auburn, Opelika, Montgomery, and just wanted to make a couple of observations about the game. Go for it. Well, first of all, I'd like to talk about being an Auburn fan and attending my 54th Auburn-Alabama game this past weekend.
1: Wow. There you go.
13: And what an environment. What an environment probably the greatest environment i've ever been in and that includes the 1989 game as well
1: so you've gone to 54 straight iron balls
13: 54 wow that is incredible it it is incredible i had i had a great grandfather who started me going to auburn and then a dad that took me some and then i was fortunate enough at age 19 years old to take over my grandfather's tickets when a season ticket cost $65. (laughs) So that tells you how far ago I go back. Yeah, I do want to say this. I want to say that, that as far as who could have won, who should have won, what plays could have won it, in just about every tight game like this, each team would have three, four, five plays that could have made a difference. But I do want to focus on two particular plays, and I want to go back to T.J. Finley being injured. And I want to say this. Boy, when he threw that pass to Landon King, he didn't look injured.
1: <laughs> that was a pretty good throw.
13: Yeah, so you could, you could talk all you want to about he could barely get around and it was affecting his throw, but, boy, that throw did not affect it at all. He wheeled it right in the, right in, and Landon made a great catch. That being said, that made the game – 17 to 16 if i'm the auburn coaches i've got to look at i'm in overtime already Mm -hmm. we can't run the ball we really don't want to take a lot of chances passing the ball i'm going for two points and i'm going to win it right there or lose it right there your opinion on that and i'll hang up and listen
1: i appreciate the call doug don't be a stranger my man that was doug on the line with us i agree with him I did. Now, I'll say this too. In the moment, I didn't think about it. Right. In the moment, I did. I will be completely honest. Now, I'm sure there are a lot of people that did. In the moment. I did not think hey let's go for it right here but and so hindsight
2: does give a lot of the benefit but I'll, I'll be honest I, I do agree Auburn probably should have so Dan Peck and I were sitting on the patio at Skybar and he said even before Auburn scored Dan Peck did he was like if Auburn scores here they've got to go to for two and end this right here because they are not going to win a shootout with this Alabama team this defense is gassed they're going to let up a touchdown next time next time they get out on the field sure enough that's what happened and whenever Auburn scored it's like okay they they're going to go for two here right and we were both Sitting there, like, yeah, they're gonna try some dial up some type of trick play or something, or they're gonna try and try and put in the end zone one more time. And I said, it's gonna be 18-17. That's gonna be the final score. And sure enough, Brian Harsons thought that they would be able to hold on, their defense would be able to stand, and uh, eventually, uh, obviously, four overtimes later, that's not what happened. So yeah, I agree with him. I think they should have tried and and, uh, ended it right there in the first overtime. Yeah,
3: if if you're the less talented team, that's just that's how I would operate there. You you have the less. Uh, you have less talent on your team. You need to
1: But coaches don't think like that.
3: And, and, yeah, that is a little subjective, right? But even, even I think I, I think there's a pretty clear – there should have, I thought, a clear process where you need to just win or lose it there because there is no benefit to extending the game. Like I said, the defense is gassed. You saw that on that 97-yard drive at the end. They Alabama just was gassed
1: too, though. No, Auburn yes, was worse.
3: They, yeah. they, fall, they fell apart yeah. in that fourth quarter. Alabama clearly has more in the tank. Exactly. You have to end it right there. And I think if you go for two and you don't get it, I don't think very many people in that building look at that and say, that's
2: the wrong decision.
1: Oh, yeah. I don't know I if don't you think... know Auburn's fan base. Yeah, no, I know.
2: So <laughs> it goes back to what I was saying earlier. Talent eventually wins out in situations like this. And Jimmy's and Joe's it did on Saturday. I think it honestly did. And also, uh I'll say I'll say this. You know, while it might not have been like the best call if Auburn didn't get it, people might have been really upset with it. Look, even Eli Drinkwitz, who was trying to go for bowl eligibility a week ago against florida still in the moment in overtime it's like no we got to kill it here let's go for two in the win and they got it and i'm not saying it's like well therefore auburn would have gotten it no obviously that's not it's it's not oh no, there's obvious. plenty of
1: examples in the past of, uh, where what?
2: precedent has been set that you go for it there i get it right so like even like arkansas Ole miss 2016 it's like you you you, you go for it you're going to try and end it there you go for it and they got it there have been moments where you haven't gotten it arkansas will miss this season there you go. So it's just like, I think it would have been a, I think it would have been a good move to try and dial up something like that Shanker throw uh, and uh, potentially win it right there. But you know what they didn't, and that's okay.
1: We're gonna head at the phone lines again. Keith has been waiting patiently for us. Keith, how's it going? It's okay.
14: Um, yeah, I don't like moral victories, but uh, it, it does make you feel better about recruiting. You know, after having such an electric atmosphere and being as competitive yeah, as we were. Um. But I'm kind of like the, the last guy. Uh, there's hey, I can, I can three plays that future. pop out at me that, uh, on, that uh, or or really made the game go into overtime, yeah, and that's well, that the uh, an holding call on yeah. uh, the tight end, you know, that I don't think okay. should have been called uh, uh, yeah. uh, number 86, yeah. I think. And then uh, the uh, uh, sack that Finley took uh, that took us out of field goal, field goal range. Yep. Yeah. You know, I, it would still been a long field goal, but that guy looked like he's pretty good. And uh, the, uh, of course, the overthrow to Hudson that that was interception the five yard throws he threw over his head. But uh, you know, in, in a tight game like that, uh, you don't have some plays. But uh, those three right there jump out at me, and I'm kind of like some of these other guys. I I would have liked to have had somebody in the wings with some wheels where they could throw or not. Uh, you know, seeing what Florida did to Alabama and how they ran down. You know, they ran all over pretty much uh, with the quarterback. And, uh, you know, I don't know if it, who that person would be, if it would be Kobe Hudson or who it would be, you know. I mean, somebody that's had some quarterback experience that, that is that type of quarterback. But uh, it just seems like I would have had one package or something for for that situation if I needed it, see, you know, just seeing what Florida did.
1: I don't disagree with that at all. I just, I just, you know, I question whether or not they even prepared for that. You know, and and obviously they didn't because it it didn't show up. So I don't disagree with you, though. I think Auburn should have had that. It would have definitely helped Auburn. But this coaching staff has shown a lot of times that that's not the direction they want the offense to be. And I think that comes back to a greater theme this year, is Auburn just didn't have the dudes to go the full distance of twelve games running the two schemes that they've ran this year. And it came back to bite them in November, which is really unfortunate. But you know, I also say this: you you open your call about moral victories. I don't want my team and my coaching staff taking moral victories, but as a fan base, it helps us, uh, from a support standpoint, we're, we're supposed to be there for them. You know, we're supposed to have their back for them. And, uh, I think moral victories in some ways as a fan base helps us do that. Um, and so I hope the fan base comes and cheers, you know, every game, the way that they did in the Alabama game, um, regardless oh, yeah. of the result. Well, the,
14: uh, the intensity that they played with, you know, some of that just comes with the Alabama game, but, uh, just, it does seem like we we played a lot more of a attacking style of defense, uh, more four uh, four man fronts, and, and more uh, blitzing from the linebackers and uh, smoke Monday and all that. And uh, uh, Jacoby McLean, man, he he just played the game of his life again. I, I can't say enough good things about him.
1: Yeah, and I mean you can also see the direct relationship between the players and the fans also. Cause every time that defense walked out on the field, they started waving their arms, trying to get the fans into it. You look up and down the sideline and all the players looking up into the into the stands and, you know, waving their towels around. I mean, there there was an obvious tangible connection between the fan base and the and the players on the field. Um, and, and the coaches. I mean, I, I would love to know what the coaches like unfiltered. I would love to know what the coaches thought about Saturday because a lot of those guys have not been in an environment like that ever in their coaching career. um I mean, it, it had to be chill bumps for those guys. But Keith, we appreciate the phone call, my man. I hope you have a great rest of your day. You too. Thanks. That was Keith on the line with us. I mean, I mean, think about that. Most of those coaches. I, I thought to myself during the game. I was like, what are these coaches? thinking about what's going on around them with their fans like what is like obviously they're probably not thinking too much about it because they're thinking about the game but like after the game like unfiltered I want to know what they think about this because Mm -hmm. it's the first time that many of them have experienced that loud and that raucous of an environment
2: I think uh, I think what Harson was was realizing after the game was that the, it's no joke and now that he's gotten to experience it, I'm sure that next year he'll come into the game even more prepared. who knows? Maybe if he gets into a situation like he uh, found himself in this year, uh he will uh he will maybe go for two in the situation. I'm not saying that's the definitive thing to have done. I'm just saying maybe he and his coaching staff, after getting to experience it, understand now. Just how serious it is after getting to experience the environment, and they have seen what the fans have said, and maybe they uh maybe they go into the uh, next next year's game with a different perspective. Not saying that they didn't have a right perspective to begin with. I'm just saying it was like maybe it was just maybe it just helped them change their their outlook on things. Let's head to the phone lines yet
1: again. Three three four three two one thirteen ninety. And Joey is on the line with us. Joey, what's up?
15: Hey guys. Uh, I want to bring up something. Some people of may have already brought it up. First of all, I'm going to say this. I, went, I didn't see one play of the game. I was out on the beach in Santa Rosa. We were sitting around a fire listening to it on the radio. And we, we have – I don't know how we come up with these radio play-by-play guys that are so good. Andy Bertram is off the damn chain. He was great, by the
1: way. <laughs> yeah, he is good.
15: And I grew up – I'm old, so I grew up listening to Auburn, Alabama, on the radio on the back porch of my house with my parents and their friends. Mm-hmm. So it kind of brought back some memories for me. But in my, I want to ask you all about the, the penalty situation, and I don't want to get into a long discussion about it. But in my opinion, until they, we have national referees and not conference referees, when you have games that have this much money on the line for a conference, a team like Auburn has not got a shot in hell in getting a call. Especially at the main, at the important times of the game, the uh, holding call on Tyler was a joke. It was just an absolute great block, and uh, face mask back off. Uh, there, there's no penalty for face mask call, which clearly showed there was. Was two important times in the game, and it cost us badly. I mean, it cost us a lot, and I just feel like. That we need to have one organization running the referees for all of college football. The crews need to be randomly selected and sent to all the games, and there would be no reason for a conflict of interest. Because I'm going to tell you something else. This week in the Georgia-Alabama game and the championship game, it's there again. <laughs> because if Georgia, if Alabama upsets Georgia, we get two teams in the in the playoff. Two teams. Double your dollars. So I'm just, I'm really uh, kind of leery about the whole conference referee thing, and it's been going on forever. Come on, let's face it. But there's got to be a better way. That's my point. There's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way where there's no, 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 no way for a conflict of interest. If a bad call is a bad call, it's a human mistake, and that's it, and that's what we want. You know
1: what I'm saying? Yeah, and and you know I don't know what the right way is. I mean, this whole season, you know, I, I'll say this about the specific Auburn Alabama game: they blew calls uh, that would have benefited Auburn, and I also think they blew calls that would have benefited Alabama. And I, I'll be happy. I was surprised many times. I like you. I was surprised a few times where I was like, "Wow, they called that penalty!" Because Alabama got penalized 11 times for 129 yards. Um, yeah, but
15: way more the penalties. The would... thing about it is if it's, if it's early in the game, if, if it's early in the game, it's something that's not a, game, a, grain, a game-changing call is one thing. But when you get down to situations like what well, we had at the end of the game, and those two calls right there were just so bad for us, really hurt us. I mean, look what we could have done on that if we'd have got a 15-yard penalty on that, uh, on that play where, it was, where they should have called a face mask. I mean, we ended up putting there, didn't we?
1: Yeah, but I, and and I get what you're saying. It, there, a lot of the penalties were what it felt like was through the first three quarters. But also with like six minutes left in the ball game, there was a a rough in the passer that waved off a pick from TJ Finley that saved Auburn's tail. You know what I mean? And it, it was yeah. if if Auburn had been called for that rough in the passer penalty, I'll be honest with you, I would have came unglued. I would not have been happy about it. Was it probably the right call? Yeah, I just think in some ways bias works into it. And I'm not saying that you're biased. I'm just saying that. Um, yeah it, it went both ways it, on Saturday
15: I just think that the fact that the conference controls the referees right and we and when you have issues when you have games like this to where one team has no shot at doing nothing but going to a bowl game and the other team of course has a lot more opportunity uh, a lot more financial opportunity especially we need we need uh, uh, college-wide referees. We don't need conference referees. We need NCAA referees. There needs to be no way that there's any way there could be any type of um, influence. And I, I don't know you know, what's, what they can do about it and if they'll ever change. But it goes on in all the conferences. I mean, it don't just go on. It's not, it applies to all conferences. All conferences have their own referees.
1: Yeah. I, I mean, and and I, I'm with you. Something needs to change.
15: Something needs to change. There's got to be a, way, a better way. That's all I'm saying. There's got to be a, way, a better way. And I'm not saying that's the reason we lost the game. I just know that's two plays that hurt us tremendously at a time when we really you know, really didn't need those plays to ha- those calls to happen, and they were both bad, bad calls.
1: Yeah, and then there were bad calls on the, on the final drive, too, that helped the Bama drive stay alive. So I'm, I'm yep, with you. Yep. Joey, we yep. appreciate the all call. Right. All right, man. We'll talk to you all later that was joey on the line with us on the other side of this right we're going to get to bama dog bama dog stay tuned with us here you're listening to on the line last segment of the monday edition of on the line always fun wrapping up an iron bowl weekend noah Gardner and lansdale with you on the show we got about four minutes left in today's edition of on the line we're going to head to the phone lines bama dog with us bama dog how's it going
6: Hey guys, how are you
1: doing today? We're doing really well. How are you doing?
6: Fine. Man, first of all, I'm going to get this out of my chest. I am sick and tired of this team getting the call and that team getting the call. That's crazy, man. That takes so much away from them kids when they're out there fighting their asses off. Excuse my language. You know what I'm saying? Giving 110% on the football field. You know what I'm saying? There's bad calls on both sides.
1: And you know I agree guys, with that for this game. Guys, I, I do. To, and
6: the guy was talking about where we didn't have him. But the guy, he's getting he an interception and they call a rough in the press. You don't think that was a game-changing play? Come
1: on, man. You know what I'm saying? You know, and you I, and I the think box. the refs erred on calling, you know, I mean, there are 18 penalties called in this game and 11 of them were on Alabama, 7 of them were on Auburn. Alabama had almost three times the amount of penalty yards as Auburn. There were key penalties that went against Bama that helped Auburn out and there were key moments where Auburn uh, didn't get called for pass interference, and there was key moments where Alabama got away with some stuff. I mean, I, mean, I, th- I don't know if – I didn't get the vibe in this game, and I was there. I didn't get the vibe in this game that the um, – what was playing for one side. Now, I mean, I'm not saying that that hasn't ever happened or that the SEC doesn't have interest. You know I mean? And there's no way to prove that. But I just didn't get the vibe that that was present well, in this well, game. I'm
6: just saying until it's proven, then you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm sick of hearing it. Because mm-hmm. I remember Arkansas, both spiking the ball and going backwards. I remember the Georgia State game. That was not a catch. I'm sorry, but I didn't call in and say a thing. I didn't call in and say nothing about McCall. You know what I'm saying? And let the boys play. And let the chips fall where they may. I, I all was in trouble when they just scored 10 points. I'm sitting there, I'm watching this game, I'm like, surely we can score 10 points. That's what I kept telling my food. I kept telling my son. I said, I know we're good for 10 points. And we were. That's what it was. We were, and you still got Brian Young back there quarterback, and you still got some nice receivers uh, back there for Alabama, and, and
1: that's what happened. Yeah, Auburn definitely, okay. I mean, you can't, it's hard to win a football game with 10 points, especially against Alabama. I don't, I don't disagree there. I mean, if Auburn could have had three more, Auburn wins the game, and so I mean I, I don't blame it all on the officiating. Was was the officiate was the officiating crew perfect? No way, not a chance. No, of
12: course not. And they're never going to be. be.
1: Yeah, and they never will,
12: will
1: be. Bama dog, Bama we appreciate is. the call, my man.
6: All right, guys, y'all take it easy.
1: Appreciate it, Bama dog. That was Bama dog on the line with us. We gotta head out of here in about a minute. And I don't want to have to cut him off going into the uh, the top of the hour. But I mean, I, that's kind of what I've been saying when people have called in today. Is you know the officiating wasn't wasn't perfect on both sides and that final drive i know you wrote an article about some things that they missed but and sure i would like to see there be uh some changes to officiating i've said that all year long i've, I've been very displeased with officiating this year but the fact of the matter is bama had 130 penalty yards auburn had 52 yeah i mean it, it that that auburn did not lose this game in the on the officials that that is not the
2: officials fault the officials did not cost auburn this game but i will say Nothing was called on that final drive. And I think there were five different moments where something could have been called and nothing was. And, and I don't not,
1: disagree with you I, there either. And I'm
2: not trying to get into, and I'm not saying that any of our callers are necessarily wrong because, like you said, we don't know. I'm not trying to get into the SEC wants Alabama to win this game, so therefore they can get into the playoff and different things like that. That could be a possibility. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying man, uh, nothing was called on the final drive. And I'm not necessarily saying like this is all unofficiating and we lost because officials. No, Auburn lost that game. They, they got exhausted at the end of it. They weren't calling plays well. It's what it, it, is, it is what it is. It is what But that final drive, uh, not a thing was, was, was called.
1: And I think there was stuff there that could have been called. I don't disagree with it there either. But how about this? This is a novel idea. Uh, let's just don't let it come down to the last drive. How about we score more than 10 points? be pretty sweet I mean that, that's just how about we get two yards on third down and two I mean that's the other side it. there's a lot of reasons why Auburn didn't win the game and you know a lot of us wish they did I wish they did but it's just the fact of the matter we'll see you tomorrow everybody you know where to find us